Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. And today's show is a little different than most of the shows we've been doing. It's more of a story with some golden nuggets throughout the uh, episode. I met a person a few months back named Reed, who was a person from Australia who came to the U.S. He was working a cubicle job, something that he was trained in, but didn't really want to do for the rest of his life. At least he didn't see himself wanting to do that for the rest of his life. So he made the decision to jump into real estate investing here in the United States and started off with a property in New York and built it up to the point where he's now doing multi-hundred unit property syndications. So this is his journey to the U.S. and how he got started and what he's looking for and where he's investing. So really what I want you to take away are some of the key concepts and nuggets that he shares with us today. We're going to get to that here shortly. I will just start the show off by saying that if you have any questions about real estate or real estate investing or what turnkey properties are um, or how to get involved in them, just shoot us a question. You can go to PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com and just click the Ask Marco button and uh, send in your question. I'll cover that on one of the future episodes. Uh, also, you can just do that by voicemail. There's a voicemail button right on the website there. Um, if you are thinking about real estate and you want to have a free consultation with one of our investment counselors, by all means, get in touch with us. Just head over to our website at noradarealestate.com. Uh, we'll be happy to spend time with you and uh, put you on the right track. Whether we can or can't help you, um, that's okay. You know, We just want to see if there's something out there where we can get you to the next level. And remember to subscribe. We... Uh, have listeners in, I think, 110 countries now, maybe more. And we appreciate you being on the show. We love having you as a listener. So um, without further ado, we're going to get to that interview here in just a moment. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. It's my pleasure to introduce Reed Goosens to the show. Reed is the owner of RSN Property Group, focusing on multifamily acquisitions. He lives in Los Angeles and is originally from down under. His home country is Australia. He has properties in New York, Pennsylvania, and Texas, and his background is as a structural engineer. Reed, welcome to the show. G'day, Marco. How's it going? It's going great. I'm uh, starting to lose my voice early here after doing a podcast episode with you on your show so i appreciate being a guest on your show that's it was uh, it was a pleasure to have you uh a wealth of knowledge and i'm sure all your listeners already know that <laughs> well thank you very much i appreciate that um i wanted to bring you on the show reed because um you know i i kind of got introduced to you several months ago and i've been doing a little digging on you and learning about what you're doing and i've heard you on several other podcasts you have an interesting story and so i i wanted to bring you on to be a show about an Aussie's journey to the U.S. and what brought you here and what you're doing in the U.S. And I know you're a big fan of passive real estate investing and passive income. And, 
you know, that really resonates with me. Let's start off by you telling us about your background and really what brought you to the U.S. Sure thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to be on your show. I, I guess I do have a little bit of an unusual story. Um, my background, as you mentioned, is in structural engineering. I, uh, I, I, did, I studied in, uh, in, in Australia, in Queensland, at the University of Queensland, and I studied structural engineering. And um, I, my background is in that. I, I got to a point after graduating from university, you know, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I had been away traveling uh, overseas. I had went as soon as I graduated, I went to uh, United Kingdom and worked on the London 2012 Games back in 2008. Um, and I, I did a bit of traveling through the United States and I loved the US at the time back in 2009. I returned back to Australia and was sort of in my cubicle asking myself, what am I doing with, for the rest of my life? I'm sitting at this cubicle. It can't be what I, I'm, I'm made to be doing um, for the next 40 years of my life, answering to a boss who answers to you know, a board of directors and I knew I had, to, I had more to give and I, um, I, I sort of actively went out and said, you know, I want to be able to get someone to pay me to, do, to live my life essentially, to go surfing, to go hiking, to, to do what I love doing. And at the time, I didn't know what that was. You know, I didn't know what passive income was. I didn't know what real estate investing was. So I actively went out and started educating myself on different you know, ways to create passive income or just, you know, to have the stability knowing that if my job wasn't there um, tomorrow, I could, you know, essentially rely on other other sources of income. So that's really what, what the, my why factor. I, didn't, I was sick of my day job. I was, you know, um, and I only just started in my day job, but I just, engineering wasn't for me. So fast forward a couple of years, um, I was really actively learning about a, a bunch of stuff to do with real estate. And I was going to pull the trigger in Australia on a flip project. But in saying that I had, my girlfriend is American. And I really had a passion to move to New York because the Big Apple is sort of, you know, it was a, a desire in me to to go and live uh, the dream in, in in the Big Apple in the Big Smoke. So in 2012, we packed up our bags from Australia and I moved to the US and I didn't have a job. Uh, I rocked up without a job and I found a job and we've got a really awesome visa system with the United States, Australia and the US and I found a job in engineering. And within a couple of weeks of being on the ground, I was... Or, you know, just still really hungry to get my first deal done. And I was at my first networking event in in Manhattan and just, you know, blown away by just the, um, it was sort of like, I thought networking in Australia was, was, was good, but Manhattan was networking on steroids. And, and I've got to the point where I was in New York learning a lot about real estate investing. And I started to see that there was a lot of uh, lower barriers of entry in the American market compared to the Australian market. And that is where uh, I started, for, I bought my first triplex. Uh, and I, I and it wasn't, I'm sort of skipping over a lot of stuff, but it was, you know, between, by the time I was landing in 2012 in the United States to buy my first triplex was probably a good year later. And, and I did that in upstate New York. And I sort of cut my teeth on this triplex. And I'd been doing sort of, I got to the point of analysis paralysis, um, but I wanted to develop some passive income. I, I purchased the property for like, I don't know, $50,000. And I was just blown away that I could buy something for 50K and it has a net income of, um, you know, 1500 bucks a month. And I was just, you know, it was cash flowing crazy and, and, I, and it was just incredible. And so, 
Um, I had to buy that all cash because I didn't have any credit here in the United States um, being a, a new guy to the US and uh, after about six months of stabilizing that asset, I, I, I did some rehab to the property and sort of stumbled across what I like to call repositioning. I, I improved the property. I was able to increase rents and through doing that, I was slightly able to increase the value of the property uh, and increase my passive income at the same time, which was sort of a win-win situation for myself. Um, so I refied some money out of it and then purchased a second property and then I did the same thing with that and I purchased a third property and a fourth and and so on and so on and then I got to the point after about a year of, I purchased a couple of, I had a few properties under my belt um, and a buddy of mine actually from from Canada and uh, from from your neck of the woods Marco uh, he came down to New York and was you know we're talking about all this stuff and about you know passive investing and real estate investing and the tax benefits and yada 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 and he just told me he he purchased a, a large commercial property and I sort of my mouth dropped and I didn't realize really what he 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 was talking about and and then he went on to explain the the value of forcing appreciation through commercial properties and and, and that sort of kicked me off into starting my own company of RSM Property Group and and. Fast forward a couple of years later, I um, was able to, you know, leave the the, the day job and, and go out uh, full time in real estate development. And I now live in Los Angeles with my girlfriend because my my girlfriend is from Los Angeles, and I'm really enjoying living here in the United States, buying U.S. real estate, and, and slowly building my long term wealth through passive income from from my real estate investments. So hopefully that has covered everything in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's a great story. Um, there's a couple of questions that it, uh, I want to ask you. First of all, I'm curious, that triplex you bought, the first property you acquired, what did you purchase it for? Because you bought it all cash. And second, what was the gross monthly rent on that property? Sure. So the I purchased it, I'm pretty sure, for $40,000 uh, all cash. And it needed some work. It wasn't I had educated myself enough to know um, that it, I would need a GC and I would need a good property manager and I would need my team members. Um, and just to let your listeners know, I sort of was living in New York and I obviously couldn't afford New York, New York City prices, but uh, I sort of gave myself a four-hour driving radius. If I could get anywhere in four hours driving in any direction from New York, I would purchase something there. And I found some cheaper properties in upstate New York and in, in Syracuse to be to be specific. Um, and and it was just more that I wanted to cut my teeth and I had a little bit of cash in my bank account to, to get started. And that's really the biggest thing is to take action and get started because you can keep reading books uh, but not actually do anything about it. So yeah, 40,000 bucks, um, I purchased it all. It, it, it was two separate properties on one, uh, two separate dwellings on one lot. It was a single family and then a duplex. And you know the the idea was if if things went south, I could potentially split the lot and sell them individually. Uh, I think the the total gross income was a little bit over uh, two thousand dollars a month. Um, that was on paper. Uh, and and sorry, not two thousand dollars, nineteen hundred dollars a month, um, and that's sort of yeah, that's 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 how much I was buying. Uh, that's how much it was generating for me. Wow, great numbers. Uh, something yeah. whenever I hear forty thousand dollar property, especially if you've got a duplex and a single uh, single family on one lot, that tells me that you were probably in a sketchy or a pretty rough neighborhood. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's you're right. You're right. I've learned a lot buying that property and through tenants, and so I had Section Eight tenants, and uh, as I said, it, it cut my teeth on that back in two thousand and twelve, and it was a really big learning curve. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I made sure I was buying 
that had exit strategies. Uh, one of the exit strategies was to split the lot. Um, the other exit strategy was to just sell it because it was a, it was a cash cow. Um, but yeah, I did learn a lot through uh, because of the neighborhood that I was in and the type of tenants I was renting to. So that that is correct. Yeah. You share something in common with a lot of the listeners that listen to this show. And, and I'm sure I speak for the majority of real estate investors out there in general. And that is, you know, you mentioned that you were in a cubicle and you worked nine to five or whatever it was. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, want to generate passive income. They want to become financially free. Um, but, you know, there's something I think that is bigger. And I alluded to this in, in my last, um, my second last episode uh, after my father passed away. And that's not just financial freedom, but time freedom, just the ability to be able to do what you want, when you want, you know, to be able to get away for two weeks if you need to, um, you know, that's something that you are building right now. And a lot of people have successfully done that. And there's a lot of people who are in the process of doing that. So, um, you know, if you've got a passion like you have and you pursue it and you take action on it, you know, you can definitely achieve it. I mean, you moved from Australia to the U.S., got a job, um, you know, bought, jumped in, bought your first property, all cash, uh, now, granted, it wasn't in the best of areas, but you, you know, you cut your teeth and learned off of it. So, yep. um, you know, kudos to you. I mean, you've come a long way. Thank you very much. Uh, it was, yeah, the, the, to, for all your listeners out there, it, you know, it's not, uh, it wasn't easy in terms of just understanding, you know, different things of what what an LLC is and, you know, what a cap rate is and what NOI means and all that sort of stuff that goes into uh, underwriting, as I like to say, or analyzing a property to make sure that it, the numbers pencil out. Um, for this particular property, the numbers did pencil out and we had, we've had we had some really good success with it. Uh, I have sold it subsequently because of um, just I wanted to buy some other more stable assets in uh, in a different market. Um, but we, that's, that's probably for another topic in terms of Syracuse in general as a market. But that was a, definitely a good learning curve. And I still have, um, it was able to kickstart my portfolio, which was the biggest thing. You know, you can't get to deal 10 if you don't start with deal one. So I think that's really important. That's right. <laughs> so let's fast forward to today. What, what are you involved in today? What markets are you in? What exactly are you doing? Yeah. So, um, back when I met with my buddy from Canada, he was telling me about, you know, commercial real estate and, and, and I, and through what I was doing with some smaller duplexes and triplexes in upstate New York, forcing that appreciation, I really saw the value in, um, multifamily space, uh, commercial real estate. And, and I've now gone on to syndicate, uh, help syndicate a 250 unit property in Houston, Texas last year. Uh, I'm also look actively looking at, um, some ground up construction deals here in, in LA based on my um, structural engineering background and the the re-entitlement process, which is, you know, and I won't get into the, the weeds of that, but essentially you're taking a piece of land to the to the city and saying, hey city, I want to, I want to, I know I can build X amount of units on this. Will you allow me to do that? And then I, I sell those approved plans to um, another developer who wants to build it. But my, my, my general, um, uh, focus of my business is is large institutional multifamily deals across the United States in what I like to call tier two cities. So Houston, Texas um, is is where I'm I'm focused. Uh, Dallas, uh, Fort Worth is another place. I like San Antonio as a market because it's just down the road. Uh, I also like Kansas City as a market. Um, I have some stuff. In, I I really like uh, Philadelphia. I'm actually finishing a flip project in Philadelphia at the moment, or have finished the flip project. Um, 
and and I love Philadelphia as a market just in terms of its metrics, close to being close to New York, and I feel like it's the uh, Brooklyn was you know ten years ago where it's you know the cost of living is um, is is good. Uh, you have a 1.5 million people population. It's two hours from New York. It's three hours from Washington DC, whatever it is. Um, but you can still pick up a brownstone for you know 150 thousand dollars, which you can't pick up for in New York. So I love Philadelphia in terms of a uh, maybe a flip type of model, but in terms of my cash flowing passive income type of model for investing, it's it's the sort of tier two cities in the Midwest, Houston, Kansas City. So that's where I'm focused right now. So for listeners that are not familiar with what a brownstone is, it's a reddish brown sandstone building, correct? Yep, that's it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. It's it. It's uh. It's yeah. It's, it's exactly what the word means. It's it's like the sort of you think of. Uh, I can't even think of any movies that I could could refer to. But yeah, every time that someone, if they're shooting a movie in Brooklyn, you see these lovely grand steps. Uh, it has sort of uh, it can be brick or it can be um, you know the sandstone type fascia or facade, and there's these sort of grand architecture. And they're older buildings uh, in New York. They go for an absolute arm and a leg. They're very very expensive. But in Philly, they can you can still pick up some really nice, beautiful, old looking houses um, with that quintessential architecture from the early 1900s for you know reasonable price sure they're gorgeous Mm. yeah i love them yeah exactly you know you mentioned four markets that we're in uh san antonio houston dallas and kansas city those um those have been somewhat perennial markets for us in fact if i'm not mistaken we've probably been selling property in those four markets for the last 12 years wow um at least 10 and uh you know, they're great markets. So, you know, tell our listeners what you like about those markets. Why did you pick those markets? And uh, maybe drill down a little bit and tell us, you know, what you look for when you're picking markets to invest in. Sure, sure. And um, the re- the reason why I chose those markets were was because of the higher cap rates that they can generate. And it goes back to uh, cash flow. And and for me, cash flow is king. Um, I like to think of my investment portfolio as a pyramid. Uh, on the bottom third of the pyramid is solid cash flowing properties that will generate me good income for a long time to come. Towards the top of the, the, the pyramid is flip projects or re-entitlement deals, which you need to have um, a, your finger in, in on all those different um, pies to so to speak or buckets but in terms of my, my fundamentals of my portfolio is is those type of markets and the reason that is is because they have a higher cap rate their population is in a good um, plus plus one million people um, they have good um, uh, employment opportunities and since the crash they most of those markets have diversified their their employment bases you know out of just say you know, solely on on oil and gas, and have diversified into sort of banking or healthcare, uh, or or more internet startups. I know uh, San and, uh, San Antonio and Houston, Texas, are starting to get some some really good startup communities in those areas, which is just helping funnel, uh, create more and more jobs and more and more sustainability in those markets. But I can still get you know, really good cap rates of 7 8%, uh, unlike, uh, you know, tier one cities, which I like to talk about in that is, you know, New York's, the San Francisco's, the Portland, Oregon's, the Seattle's, the the Los Angeles, the, the San Diego's, where the, the cap rates are a lot lower and your cash flow will be a lot lower. So they're typically the markets I look in and why I look in those markets um, to, to, to provide me stable uh, income uh, for, for a long time to come. Are you looking at the market cycle at all, or is it just based on um, the rates of return that you're finding in a particular market? 
I am looking at the market cycle somewhat. Um, I, I keep my eye on how much in terms of um, you know what what new what new properties are coming onto the 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 scene. Uh, typically, that or not typically, I have a rule of thumb, and just from my experience, my limited experience is that if your supply becomes more than your demand for new homes, um, that can that's a bit of a red flag in terms of how the market's going. So I like to always look, even though I'm in the multifamily space, I like to still see what new content is coming onto the market versus what is being sold or uh, is being picked up by buyers. So that is definitely one of the the key factors I like looking at when I'm in analyzing a market oh, and looking at the cycle trends. So I hope that answers your, your, uh, your question. Yeah, it does. Um, now, about criteria, you were talking about your investment criteria about the markets, but um, when you are looking at prospective properties to invest in do you do you define a criteria for yourself or are there certain things outside of the cap rate of course are there certain other things you look for that you have to have in order for you to even look at it further yeah there is and um one of the major lessons i learned with my small duplexes in upstate new york is buying class d and class c you know neighborhoods it has their inherent risks you can get better cash flow on paper but uh, I also want stabilized assets. I don't want to be constantly managing it. Otherwise, it just turns into a job, right? Uh, my, my portfolio turns into a constant management process because I'm constantly managing tenants. So I definitely look in now the sort of the C plus, B minus range. Uh, it has to have a value add content to it, a proponent to it. And when I say value add, I mean that the property is cash flowing already, but I can increase that cash flow because the rents might be below market value. Um, so I need, it needs to be uh, cash flowing. It needs to be um, in an area, as I said, a stable um, job growth. It needs to have population growth. Um, and it also needs to be in like, I like to look at what's called good school districts. I, I really think that's very important for the type of class of renters that I'm now looking for in a, in a class B um, you know, in class B neighborhood with a class B uh, asset, I'm sort of more focused on the the teachers, the co the police officers, um, you know, firefighters, people who are just happy paying, um, you know, a thousand bucks a month or eight hundred dollars a month in rent for a really clean unit. Uh, it's safe. Uh, it might have a, a gym or a pool. You know, nothing crazy. But that's the type of assets I'm looking at uh, and the type of clientele. I'm not trying to rub shoulders with the millennials who are buying the, the latest uh, multifamily deal that comes has just been constructed because that's that's a different type of investing altogether. So it's, it's really about good school districts um, and a solid employment base for that particular sub-market within a market. Sure. You mentioned forced appreciation a couple of times. Mm -hmm. One nice thing about commercial properties and more specifically with um, apartment buildings is that you can drive up the value of the property by increasing the rent, which thereby increases your net operating income. And investors that are not familiar with how commercial properties and apartment buildings are valued, when they're valued or appraised, it's actually the net operating income that defines what that property is worth. So if you increase the rent by charging more, uh, you increase the value. That's forcing the appreciation. It's not as easy to do that with residential property, meaning one to four unit properties, but it still can be done. I mean, if you look at, you know, take your example, you bought this $40,000 property in New York 
um, it needed work, but you were still able to rent it for 1900 a month. But, you know, you put in ten dollars or $20,000 to renovate that property and bring it up to the best possible use, safe, clean, functional condition. Well, you might be able to charge $2,200 a month. So you, you can still do that with, uh, you know, residential real estate, not maybe to the same degree because they're appraised based on comparable sales in the area, not based on the revenue or the net operating income. But what were you going to say? I was going to say that... Um what I'm liking to seeing these days is the the way that banks are lending on small portfolios of single family houses, which is um, really interesting to me because owning I still own duplexes uh, and some and, and one triplex, uh, but what I've found is from my experience is that you really got to look at those duplexes and triplexes like single family properties, like who is renting that duplex or triplex for six hundred dollars or six fifty a month or seven hundred dollars a month when you could get a whole house for say eight fifty a month. So that's what you gotta look at. And and I do like the model where the banks are saying, well, if you have five single family properties and it's maybe, I don't know, five hundred thousand dollars, we will lend on that as a portfolio. And that's really still quite powerful. And you can force the appreciation of that entire portfolio as a from a macro point of view because you might have bought identified like in the multifamily space, you've identified that these things are under market value. You've gone and done a bit of work and you've increased the value of the uh, the, the, the cash flow, I should say, and the, the net operating income. And then in, inherently, you've increased the portfolio's worth. So you can still force force the appreciation that way as well. Sure. So what are you, uh, what are you involved in today? Have you moved completely away from residential properties and, and focused exclusively on commercial properties or or is it a blend? Uh, it's, I have still some portfolio properties and if a, if a deal comes across my desk that is really, I can't refuse, like as I was saying, the Philadelphia market, I really love the Philadelphia market, um, but it's a different investing uh, tool over there. That's a more of a, a flip project. So I will maybe pick up a single family property here and there, but generally speaking, I'm focused on the large multifamily uh, commercial side um, just because I'm, I'm a commercial guy, but I know all your listeners out there uh, are more into the single family space and there's still so much value to be had in that. And, and as I just mentioned before, the the way the banks are lending these days on the, those portfolios is really, really powerful. So I um, definitely recommend getting involved in some of that stuff. And you're building up syndications now. That is correct. That is correct. That's how I, um, and back to my bit of my story was that, you know, I got to a point where I ran out of money, like most people do. Uh, when you buy real estate, you can't just, um, you can't just keep using your money. So I got involved in syndication and syndication just really means that you pull money together. I put some money in, I, I go and raise some money from other investors and we all pull our money together and we can buy a larger asset um, which is maybe more stable um, long term wise and produces greater cash flow, and we can all make money together. And that's sort of what syndication is. Uh, and I oversee everything from A to Z. You know, I'll go out and, and find the deal, I'll uh, negotiate with the seller, I will oversee the purchase, I'll go in and oversee the rehab or the repositioning, as I like to call it. And then I'll oversee the day to day management of it while investors who are investing with me get a great return on their money from day one. Uh, and they have the all the upsides of. Of um, having owning uh, sorry owning owning real estate, but they might not have the time to go out and find a cracking deal. They might just be too busy with their day job, but they still want to have um, their money working for them. But more so than with just sitting in a bank earning, you know, what is it, 05 percent or, or less, one percent. So they want to get involved in some real estate, and that's where I come uh, along with with being a syndicator, and I can offer them a great 
you know, opportunity to invest with in, in a deal, and they, their money is backed by real estate, and they are uh, inv- they own equity in the property, and they own equity in the company that owns the property, and uh, we make money together. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's the uh, powerful thing about real estate is the the ability to leverage. You can leverage other people's money, other people's time, other people's knowledge. So you can be involved in real estate in so many different levels. You can be a direct investor, which is you know, something we're a huge proponent of, but you know, you can be involved on the financing end with notes. You can be involved with syndications where you are uh, involved essentially in a partnership in a property. Um, you can learn from other people and leverage their knowledge and mistakes and, and what they've invested in as far as time uh, to benefit you. So you're not starting from zero and making all the mistakes that they've made. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just such a powerful vehicle in so many different ways. I completely agree uh, 100% with you, Marco. Uh, real estate is a team sport and that doesn't necessarily mean that you you can't have one of your team members is just another investor as well or another person who uh, wants to be involved in real estate. You might, you know, as you said, leverage other people's time because we're all busy people. We all have things going on and, and I'm good at one thing and Marco's good at another thing and you might find some person who is really good at just you know, they love finding good cracking deals or they're, they're really good at um, bird dogging or something like that, which means, you know, identifying houses that, that are in distress. And you could partner with those guys and say, if you bring me those deals, I will, you know, bring money and, you know, we can make uh, this partnership work. And there's different ways of getting involved and leveraging, as you said, Marco, different people uh, within it, within your team. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'm going to borrow two of the questions that you asked me on your podcast. Sure thing. All right. So I, I, I like this question. Uh, what is the most successful habit that you practice to keep you on track and towards your goals? The most successful habit, I, I'm a big guy and um, I love keeping um, my what's called clean between the ears, uh, which means keeping my, 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 my mental state um, focused on, on what I need to be achieving the next day. I'm also very, and that, that, and to do that, I do it in a couple of ways and that's, creating uh, lists and to-do lists each week and each day. But I also like to uh, make sure that I'm keeping physically, I've got, to, you know, I've got to take care of myself physically first before I can help other people invest in real estate. So I, I'm a, I love going for runs. I love keeping fit. Um, and I, if, I, if I don't go and do something physical in a day, I kind of get a little bit, um, you know, I need to not release some steam, but like, you know, just I like to keep that as part of a healthy routine. So definitely making lists and, uh, and keeping it clean between the ears. And that involves, um, being active. Yeah, that's great. How, well, how often do you exercise? Uh, I would exercise about four or five times a week. And that gets anything from going for a surf or going to the park and kicking the footy around with, with some of my Australian mates here in, <laughs> in Los Angeles. Nice. <laughs> you, you guys don't call it footy, but uh, we call it uh, rugby, uh, in Australia. Uh, I, I also like going, you know, I've got a dog as well. So we go for a run or a hike and I, I sometimes go to the gym as well. So, nice. so everything. Last question, who was the most influential person in your real estate career? I think the most influential person um and not they're not directly as influential anymore, but they it was the aha moment, and that was uh, Robert Kiyosaki when I picked up his book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um it was uh, an incredible eye-opening moment where it got me it got my mind set focused on what I really wanted to achieve and that was long-term passive income and I didn't know it as I said before in the introduction I didn't know I just knew that working full-time wasn't 
it just wasn't for me. I didn't, I needed to be my own boss. I wanted to, you know, go for a surf whenever I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, go over to Australia back home whenever I wanted to. And, and I needed to create uh, a business and I need to create a long-term wealth through passive income. And, and the vehicle that I've chosen is real estate. And, and so Robert Kiyosaki definitely was the most influential person at the beginning of my career back in 2009, 2010, um, that gave me that, the aha moment or the, the, when the penny dropped, as I like to say, and, and really understood the power of creating passive income. Weren't you on vacation when you were reading that book? Uh, I was towards the end of my uh, traveling around the world, you know, as, as you're backpacking. And I wasn't just on vacation. I was doing like a, what's called a working holiday. So uh, you go to a, a hostel and you work for a couple of weeks and you move on to the next hostel. And in that little bit of downtime, I, was pick, I picked up that book along the way and it was uh, really, really eye-opening. That's funny. I'm surprised my wife didn't kill me. When I started reading that book, I literally could not put it down. I had to just keep <laughs> reading it. And I, and we were on a train going from Rome to Florence at the time. So wow. instead of looking out the window at you know the scenery, the beautiful scenery going by, I, I, I had my nose inside this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So yep. anyway, yep. it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, Reed, uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up here? Yeah, um, if you if you ever if you are interested in, in learning a little bit more about myself, I do have a little podcast. I uh, just started, and it sort of tracks my journey and help international investors break into the United States and start successfully investing in U.S. real estate. It's called Investing in the U.S. and Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. So definitely check that out if you do have thirty seconds on iTunes. And what would they search for? They would search for an, an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate uh, or inv or investing in the U.S. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, Reed, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, it's a great story, and I'm uh, very happy to hear that you are on a fast path to big success here. Thank you very much. So I appreciate you being on here. Thank you so much, and um, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Cool thing. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.